In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Paula Masson about pricing strategy. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 112. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pleski, and I'm here today with Paulina Masson. Paulina is an Amazon seller and the founder of Shopkeeper. She calls herself a numbers girl. Her favorite topics are optimizing profits, pricing strategies, cash flow management, and ways to save on Amazon fees. I asked her in the show today to chat about how you can tweak your prices to make more sales to e-commerce products. So, hey, Paulina, how are you doing today? Hey, Charles. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's awesome to have you on. I love the topic of pricing strategies. I feel like it's one of those things that once you're kind of established, um, it's a very easy way of just increasing that profit margin on what you already have by like just some strategies. It's one of those things that's very easy to just optimize. And if you're already getting X amount, you can kind of squeak out some more margin. So it's a very cool topic for retailers. How do you, yeah, it is. <laughs> how did you get into this? So you were originally an Amazon seller, right? Yeah, I'm actually a software developer by background. So I am quite technical in nature. <laughs> so all technical people like the numbers and I'm one of them. And so I liked math, I liked calculus, you know, those type of things. And uh, so I became an Amazon seller first. And then I decided to build this little software for myself on the side that now became a successful commercial product called Shopkeeper. But while I was doing that, I researched a lot about different fees that were not like explained and I, usually, if you get some fee charged on Amazon, it's not explained anywhere very much. Like, for example, compensated underscore clawback. Like, what is this? You know, compensated clawback. And it's not even in help files and support is not so helpful. So I've been researching a lot about numbers that are to do with Amazon. And then eventually I drift, drifted out into optimizing my own pricing because that's also numbers related and started looking into different psychology things that I could use for my prices. So I actually experimented quite a bit with that and um, I could share with you some of the learnings that I have and what I had tested and what worked for me and what worked for other sellers when I shared with them as well. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. So basically, I guess I would start with the big picture first. I'll just tell you two sentences. The big picture. The big picture is that when you think about your pricing strategy, it's not enough to just, it's not the flow that you first create a product, then you publish it on Amazon, create a listing, ship it to Amazon, and then you sit and think what price I should put. Actually, the price strategy should start before you even go design your product. And the reason I say this is because there are different types of buyers that you can actually target. So um, there's been research done uh, for general e-commerce uh, online. Uh, research has discovered that there are three general types of buyers. One is called Scrooge, those bargain hunters. And the other type is the luxury spender, so the big spender. And then there's this middle somewhere, average spender. So if you want the percentages, actually there are 24% of those Scrooges, the bargain hunters online. So And then there is 15% of big spenders and there's 61% left in the middle for average spenders. Now, what does that mean to you? Now, if you have any type of product that you're selling on Amazon, 
on. You should really think about who is your buyer first before even deciding your pricing strategy. Because if you are going to target the big spenders, you can afford the luxury upgrades on your item in terms of manufacturing cost, right? You can go to your Chinese manufacturer and say, okay, let's add a velvet bag and let's change this to stainless steel and upgrade the product and so on. So basically you will be improving the product and the cost will increase. And you can afford that because you know you're going to target the luxury spender, right? But if you know you're going to compete with the bargain hunter in the bargain hunter bucket with the other guys who are like 11.99 products, you know, every cent counts. And then you're going to go to your manufacturer and will say, all right, so let's cut the cost. Let's not use the stainless steel, you know, remove the bag and just make it as, as cost effective as possible. So because it's important to look at that overall picture. That's why I wanted to start with that. It's not only the little psychology tricks that I'll tell you, you know, the little bits and pieces that you can add, but also the very big picture. And it's important to think about it way in advance before you design your product. Now, some of you, I guess, will say, well, but I already have some products launched. you know, <laughs> So it's a little bit too late in the game for those. So what can I do with those products? And I do have a few tips uh, for those if you want to hear them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's start with the fun part, which is pricing psychology. You know how uh, we see the 99 ending everywhere? So the difference between 99 and 00, right? There's 99, 99 in every retail store you go. It's 99 cents, 99 cents at the end. And you keep getting used to it, right? We are used to it somewhat. And now, well, the basic answer why people use that, why retailers are using 99 cents is very simple because instead of $30 round, they do $29.99. And that first one sounds like 30 something and second one like 20 something. Obviously, it's a big difference. And that difference is especially strong on those ends, like the zeros and the fives. So, you know, from 29 to, to 30, that's especially strong. From 24 to 25, that's strong as well. So, it's very simple. That's not the trick that I wanted to tell you. It's just that they all use it to make it appear as if it's, you know, smaller press. But now what and, happened to and us? As, that still yeah? works, right? So that's something that even this day, because I remember like it's like it still a works, kit. Yeah, definitely. It, yeah, it's like, <laughs> yes, that's one of those tricks. That <laughs> it's just migrated from retail. It just keeps working. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? I will explain to you what happened to us when we became conditioned to seeing that 99 everywhere. Now the, we just see 99, 99. And as soon as we don't see the 99, if there is an item with like zero, zero at the end, for example, I look at two identical items and one is 29.99 and the other one is 30. Well, the first one seems like a bargain and bargain means cheaper and cheaper, unfortunately, means lower quality lower quality is a bad connotation, right? So that is a little bit of psychological association of 99 ending with the lower quality item. Therefore, if you are selling to luxury buyers, or at least you want to position your product as a luxury item, it's better not to use the 99 and use the round numbers, such as, so I would not go to 30 because it's such a significant difference between 29, 99 and 30. I would just stick to 29 round number. So stay in a little bit below, like don't make the big jump because you will have a, a little bit of psychological hesitation there. That's like the first step of hesitation where I'm going to think, should I spend it or not spend it at 30 something? You know, if it's 20 something, it feels like easier to spend. So I would just round it to 29 equal without the sense of 99. And that makes you feel like, oh, so it's like not 99 so it's like something different about it like your eye be you know the part of the brain in the back that like drives for us you know when we don't even think about it it also does that with numbers so when you see zero zero you're like oh 
So it's not a bargain. So it's not so cheap. So it must be like a luxury or just released or something new. You know, you have this a little bit of feeling like, oh, that's cool. So my suggestion is if you have any product that you want to position as a luxury product, do round the prices in the end. So use zero, zero instead of 99. Now, there's another thing that happened with the nines here. Now, as I said, nine became associated in our minds as a bargain thing. So nine always wins. And there was this interesting um, study done. They compared two prices, identical products on a Shopify website. Actually, it wasn't Amazon. So they compared the two prices of 34 round and 39 round. So 34 versus 39. And actually... <laughs> 39 got more clicks, so it was more CTR into the listing because a 9 was in it. Just because when we are skimming hundreds of listings side by side, we don't really actually stop and spend the time on each listing, right? We just skim until something hits our eye. We are skimming, so some part of our brain does it which we don't even consciously think about it. So we stop at those which seem like, oh, that's a good bargain, you know, 39. So like, actually 39 had more CTR and more eyes on it because it had a nine and now Charles you might say okay Paulina 39 and 34 there was a so different you know and that's a big jump I probably have competitors who are pressing on my back I can't really jump from 34 to 39 now in that case you can use numbers like five seven or nine these three digits are used uh, they're called charm pricing so you know like Walmart is using 995 995 so they are not only using 95 but 99 but also 95 at the end and sometimes if you've seen internet marketers like to use 97 in the end they like to use the sevens you know 67 they put the sevens at the end it's like the, the when you're selling a course or something there's a lot of sevens out there and there and there are stores that are using 997 as well. So five, seven, and nine are the most commonly used numbers when they reduce the prices to something 90. So if you use five, seven, or nine in your prices, so if you can jump from 34 to 39, jump to just 35 and you will still have that effect. So I would totally avoid, look at your current products and see which prices you could improve. If you have any 34, anything that ends in a four, six or eight, you should change, change to five, sevens or nines, depending on how far you can go. It could be just a game in sense as well, you know, the 99s there, uh, and the end, you know, and 97, I don't know, you could play with that a little bit if you're really, really pressed for dollar by dollar by dollar, if you're playing for the bargain hunter bucket. But if you have a space to change $1 up or down, I would totally recommend using those five sevens and nines. So that's an interesting psychological bit for you there. Yeah, that's very cool. Do you find this certain like, almost like tears that different buyers fall into? Like I feel like between, you know, one and let's say it's $20, there's kind of this tear of, you'll just buy it without thinking. And then there's like another tear above that up to let's just say a hundred. And this kind of, and like the difference between, you know, 85 to 89, like you were saying, it falls in the same tear. It's almost irrelevant at that point. You know, you still have to look at competition, but it seems like there's like these buckets of pricing. And this is very true, actually. There is, um, I would say the first step, that first bucket, like you say, is up to $40. Okay. And the $40 is sort of the number that, 
when you spend something over 40, you feel like, you know, the, the step of hesitation here. You feel like, oh, I should go and check with my husband if that's okay to spend it. Or at least you think two times before spending it. Oh, that's quite significant, right? But if it's like 35, you just spend without thinking. Normally 40, whatever currency it would be, US dollars, euros, 40 is sort of psychological first, um, you know, hesitation step. And then, like you said, the next bucket is probably at 100, around $100. So over 100 is a different feeling than less than 100 you're spending. And there's more steps after that. So actually, if you have any products right now that are like 41 or 42, I would highly recommend just dropping it down to like 39 to be just below those thresholds to monetize on that ease of buying because you want to make it as easy to purchase as possible, right? So play with your price to like make it smoother and easier for them as well. Yeah, so you never want to be at the bottom of the threshold because you you can, if you can move up, that's great. But if you're right at the bottom, it's almost worth dropping down, right? To get a ramp up sales if you can. Yes, exactly. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny. I bought this, uh, uh, mic shock absorber. I actually have it just sitting right here. I was just saying that I think it was $12 on Amazon. I did it literally without thinking. I was like in my car, like waiting for someone doesn't even fit the mic. doesn't work. I'll probably throw it away and buy another one, but it's just funny. A $12 purchase. You literally don't think about it. Um, versus like a iPad or something. That's something a little more substantial. You sit there and actually compare, look at different options, and you really think that purchase through. Versus the $12 shock, I didn't even look at the size. I just said, let's try it. Put it on the mic, said, nope, doesn't work. So let's go in the trash today, and I'll just buy another $12 one until they keep working. So it's very odd, but though, how that works. What do you do when you spend, let's say, um, $45 item? You're buying a knife sharpener for $45. Would you think two times and look at other websites to price match? See, that's the funny part. There's right around there. I think, yeah, that's kind of where you start looking at a couple different options, even looking at, like, I think this one, I didn't even look at the, um, the features. I literally said, yeah, looks, I looked at the picture and I was like, looks about right. Let's do this. <laughs> versus at 45, yeah. that's when you start comparing, I feel like, and actually look at the feature set versus a, a competitor. It's interesting. You see, that's where the different buying habits come in, actually, as well. I am sort of like this big spender, and I'm trying to learn to control that, but it's so hard. It's just somewhere in my DNA that I just look at the first page of Amazon results, and if it's like $50 kettle or $250 kettle, I, you know, unless it's not $500 kettle, if it's still like reasonable, I'm just going to buy it because I like the color or something, <laughs> pink handle on it. So it's very easy for me to spend the money, but if you talk to my brother, for example, who's complete bargain hunter, he would have like these Chrome plugins extensions, you know, where he would price match on all the other websites and find the best deal of the best of the best, you know. And whenever I purchase something, he would tell me, oh, you could get a rebate now, you know. So, so these are just different types of buyers and it doesn't really matter on how much money they make like i'm not so rich but i'm still a big spender and my brother is really uh, you know wealthy and he's still a scrooge you know so i think the scrooges are actually the richest people because they know how to control the money and they think twice before they spend so now that's important for you as a seller to know that these types of buyers exist and now like i mentioned there are 24 percent of those bargain hunters on there like and 15 uh, of big spenders so what you will do with that information well you'll go to your main keyword on amazon and look at your competitors so look at the first 20 competitors that you have and note down their pricing 
So don't just know down today's pricing, no? Go to use like Jungle Scout or something and look at historical price average because maybe today he's out of stock and maybe he's, you know, running a promotion or something. So you need an historical price average. And on sidebar of Amazon, you have to checkbox the box saying uh, include out of stock items because maybe some big seller is not there and you need to know that information before you decide which bucket you're going to play in. So once you have everybody on the spreadsheet with their historical price averages, the 20 people on your main keyword, then you know who you are dealing with. Maybe everybody's playing this bargain hunter game and every knife sharpener that you're competing with is actually a layer 11.99 or that range. Then be that luxury knife sharpener, you know. So it, it will all depend on your situation. Look, base your strategy on your competitors that you have instead of just guessing and inventing an item that you personally like and prefer to buy. Yeah, I feel like what people first start to do is they take, you know, they try to figure out their costs all in and at a margin. But that's like a very basic way of pricing because um, you're not looking at the, you're basically just looking at yourself and your costs. You're not looking at the outside world and pricing it that way. You're talking about taking a more holistic approach to pricing. Exactly. Sort of like the other end, because the way you design, when you are looking at the prices and costs, you already decided your product. You already decided it's going to look this and that. So you don't have space to, to cheapen it, you know, to cut the, cut the cost anywhere. So if you know in advance that you can afford to be in a big spender bucket, then all right, so you be there. And uh, mathematically, I actually did the numbers, you know, I was wondering for myself which bucket I should be in because in my situation, there was a little bit of everything, you know, it was some competitors were in, in the bargain hunters, some were expensive, some were right in the middle. And I didn't know which one is actually uh, profit-wise better to be in. So I made this math, you know, based on those research, uh, you know, how many of each type of uh, buyer there are. So I just pretended that there will, <clears throat> there will be 1,000 units that I will sell and then calculated how how many of each unit each buyer will get and I put 40% margin and appropriate pricing like $45 for big spenders, $12.99 for the Scrooges and in the middle was $25 item and I calculated how much I'm going to make. That's all based on 40% margin because that's the average private label margin. And uh, I checked actually that the best place to be in is not the big spender place even though it seems like oh it's the best place to be right they are paying huge margins you need to sell little items a few uh, units and you will make the most money actually not there are the most of them are average spenders 61 percent, and that is the best bucket to be in so if you have enough space and you don't have to slice that bucket into many, many parts, you know, sharing with your competitors. If there are, there is enough space for you there, play in the middle, be that middle one, not too cheap and not this crazy. So you'll have strong enough volume then of buyers and your price, you will still make a good margin. But if everyone, if there is like only one big spender um, targeter in like those 20 results, definitely you can be that unique item, that different item that could be a little bit more expensive. Just keep in mind those percentages I told you, the 15% big spender is uh, based on e-commerce in general. If you're an Amazon seller, Amazon started as a place to find the cheapest items, right? They were like, find the cheapest and the biggest selection. And because of that, they initially attracted a lot of bargain hunters. People who were looking for the cheapest, the best deals, they came to Amazon. So I would say the data would be a little bit skewed on Amazon in terms of less big spenders being there in general. Um, maybe it's not so true these days anymore, but I would still consider that, you know, when you are thinking about creating a luxury item. 
it's not the easiest place to be in with a luxury item because you obviously you'll have to order large minimum order quantities and then they will sell very few and then you'll pay big storage fees you'll have to figure out a lot of additional things that you normally don't have to with high volume products so my best suggestion is if you can be in the middle and I used to never recommend the Scrooge's bucket, you know, because it's such slim margins. And I thought, you know, no space for PPC, no nothing. But after one conference, when I gave a talk about pricing, one seller came to me and says, Polina, you're telling everyone not to play in this bucket, but I'm an eight-figure seller and all my items are for bargain hunters, like less than $10. And I thought, wow, eight figures from that, you know, and actually you can make money in any of the buckets. It's just you have to see which one you fit in, where you can, and then base all your strategy from that yeah so it's it's you're basically saying you can make money anywhere but you have to be very purposeful about what bucket you're in how you're selling and how you're pricing it um and you just need to realize who you're targeting in each bucket exactly yeah that's right yeah that's very true i feel like i feel like a lot of people just do the thing where you just price it based on your like internals like we we're saying and don't look at all these other factors but kind of thinking about that holistic approach then allows you to even realize okay i'm in that bucket and maybe a competitor dropped out and you can raise your prices and you start to get a sense of, okay, I compete against these other five sellers every single day. Here's my competition. Here's what they're doing today. And pricing is a very dynamic game. That's the other thing where every single day it's changing, especially, you know, with Amazon, it's this very like closed little ecosystem. So when there is a change, you can see it and it has very quick effects on your sell through and everything else. Um, when you, when that happens. Exactly. You know, this many people are using dynamic repricing, but it's only applicable to uh, arbitragers or people who do wholesale reselling. So my experience is mostly for private label. And in there, we don't use repricers because we are the only one on our buy box. But there is still a way that you can lose your buy box. If you're a new, uh, if you're a new seller, you might not be aware that if you raise the price too quickly on Amazon, they make you lose your own buy box, even <laughs> though you're the only seller on the listing. And, and what where, happens where do you visually? Go? <laughs> what, what, no. just like purgatory? <laughs> like what happens? No, what happens visually is that so on your listing, when you go inside the listing, there is no more buy now button. Suddenly it says see all buying options button. And then it says one seller available from, and then it doesn't say the price anymore. It just says, you know, see all buying options as a link that completely kills your conversions. So Amazon lets you drop the price as soon as possible. You know, very quickly you can drop from 45 to 12 and no problem, but from 12 to raise back to 45, it will take you many, many days, 50 cents, you know, 50 cents, little by little, so that you don't lose the buy box of your own. And in general, why I'm even talking about that, like, how is it relevant? Well, because when you're deciding your initial price, you will look at your break even, right? And then there's this profit margin, like you said, you're adding uh, the margin on top of your costs, like 40%. Let's say there's a price that you want to have in the end. But when you launch an item, you don't want to launch at your best profit at the top, right? You want to launch it at a very nice price comparing to the other. So you get this boost of, of purchases in the beginning. And many people, unfortunately, start at the very lowest. Like they do it at cost at first. And then they try to climb up. And then it takes forever and ever to climb up back there. And you basically set the algorithm thinking about your product incorrectly. You know, you will basically... the 
you will keep rising your price, raising to the dream price, and they will start losing the rank. And eventually it will be very, very hard to be back there on the first page like you wanted. So start somewhere above the middle. You know, if if it's between 12 the cost and 25 the price, you know, start somewhere like $19 would be the launch price. You know, start higher up so that it's easier to climb back up. And uh, one more little thing I would say, don't base your prices on your own personal limitations box like your personal financial limitations you know many of us are just okay how much i would pay for knife sharpener mm, never more than 36 dollars no who would pay 37 dollars no no okay 35 is my price so if you most of us base our prices like that on our own judgment but just like i said we are different people and there are many many different incomes and habits and things and you know you shouldn't you try and climb out completely put your own mind aside when you are considering the item's price and just based everything based on your competitors around you so on amazon that would be looking at the neighborhood listings and deciding and it's very often actually beneficial to match the bestseller's price if you're like a second or third result already if he's doing like 25.99 with 10 percent off coupon well just match ignore what paulina said and just match 25.99 with 10 percent coupon because then people are comparing you two in terms of benefits like which color I like better or like which one i like better they they stop thinking about the, the price and it, you know but if you do one dollar less than the bestseller like he's doing 25 you'll do 24 they will think Oh, one dollar less. Oh, but yeah, he has less reviews. Okay, so he just wants me to buy it. Okay, I won't buy it from him. You know, there's this going on. So just remove that, you know, hassle at all and just match exactly the price and they can consider from other things than the price. So it's sometimes beneficial to just just do that instead. Okay. I like so I wanna I wanna go back to what you were saying a minute ago. So when you first launch and you said come out of the gate and set a decent price with a decent amount of margin, how much so let's say you wanna to get to forty percent eventually. How much should you cut in your product? Your all-in cost is 30, 30 um, for everything, all-in. How? What would you start as your initial margin? And would your goal be to kind of ramp up over how much time? And What would you kind of do there? These days, very often, uh, we don't have many launch strategies to choose from on Amazon. Um, most sellers these days are using PPC and aggressive PPC if they want to rank. And aggressive PPC costs money, right? So you have to leave yourself a good margin there so that you could have some space. You know, you completely don't go bankrupt, you know, doing the PPC in the beginning. So I would say at least 20% margin you should keep for the PPC. So half of your margin that you dream to have, the 40%, so slide half for PPC and the other half you could sacrifice in the beginning for the launch right so I would drop it 20% from your margin so half half of the margin I would drop for the for the initial launch but it all depends like if you if it becomes above $30 you know it's more beneficial to have at 29 you know just use those little bit of um, strategies here. I forgot to mention this one other strategy. Do you want? I will say about the free shipping as well that oh, you can use. Yes, free shipping. I feel like this is a always a, a good one. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. So on Amazon, we have something uh, called free shipping, right, for Prime members. So if you're a Prime member on Amazon, you get your goods free shipped. But if you're not a Prime member, then you have to spend at least twenty-five dollars 
to get it free shipped, right? And in different marketplaces, that amount is different, like 29 euros uh, in France and places like that, and 5.99 Mexican dollars in Mexico. There's a minimum threshold. So now how you as a seller can monetize on that? Well, I had this item, uh, was $20.99. I was running, um, I'm in the apparel category. And I was calculating how much it's going to be if the person doesn't have Prime membership. Actually, on top of that, they would have paid $5.50. So it's like $26.50 the product became with shipping, you know. And I thought, hmm, wait a minute. But $25 is the threshold. So basically, I increased my price from $20.99 to $25.99 to be just a little bit $1 above the threshold. And then immediately, that person was paying zero <laughs> for shipping. And he actually saved $0.50 cents with that calculation. And I earned five extra dollars in my profit. Usually I just make $5 in profit on every item. So that was double in profit. And you are monetizing on something that is one of the most popular features used by non-prime members is this checkbox, um, free shipping. There are two boxes. One is prime box. So all prime members just check the prime. And the other one is free shipping. You know, So if you have free shipping, if your item is enabled for that, you will appear in so many more results, search results on Amazon, if you just have a price which is above the threshold. So in Europe, if you have, or in Europe, if you have any prices less than $29, for example, 29 euros, for example, or in US, Mm, uh, okay, let me start with US. $25 is threshold. So if you have a $26 item or $27 item, uh, then I would say keep it as, as is. If you have a $23 or $24 item, then raise it to be above the item. Now, if you combine all of these strategies together, the five, sevens, and nine that I said to use, right? Plus you enable the coupons. Plus, you would do promotion stacking. There are so many other strategies that I didn't even mention, right? And then you use the endings properly. And then all of these together, and then you just raise your prices to be above the free shipping thresholds if possible. You are monetizing on so much compound effect there, you know, that it will even feel, if you enable all of these strategies today, it will feel like a little mini launch that you will have actually significant boost that you will notice. And you will say, Paulina, yes, I noticed it. And <laughs> I'm not just being proud of myself, but actually many people have come to me and told me that they did implement the strategies that I mentioned and it worked for them. So um, I guess, let me just remember if I missed any important one that you should do that will get, help you with the compounding effect. Yes, the very important one is the coupons. So you know on Amazon, uh, the coupons are little green highlighted uh, discounts. So either 10% off or like $3 off, right? So used to be orange. They used to be orange. And orange used to be blending in so blendy with the Amazon uh, branding. They have everything orangey. So orangey, orangey, orangey. And that orange coupon highlight was not really standing out. But now they switched it up to green color. So that green is just, if you look at the listings uh, search results there, you will see that whoever has a coupon, the green just stands out so much. Even if your bestseller like next to you stands a bestseller with many thousands of reviews and you only have 50 reviews if you have a green highlight the eye goes to yours it's just how it is so you get so many more eyes on your listing if you enable the coupons and coupons have a coupon redemption fee actually each coupon will cost you 60 cents in us to be redempted but but i in my experience when i enabled the coupons 
I actually bumped up the price a little bit and then gave a discount, right? But not every single person applies the coupon. Unfortunately, on Amazon, you have to click this checkbox Weird. called apply the coupon. And many non-technical users or shoppers, they don't even have a clue that they have to do it. They see the discount, they are buying it, and they don't apply it. So only like one of three people that are my buyers applies it. And other sellers, I've heard one of five for them only applies it. That means you actually... Because remember, you bumped up your price to give a coupon. So you are selling more items because of more eyes with the bumped up price. And and actually, you know, so that redemption fee becomes negligible because the 60 cents, you know, over the three people becomes like 20 cents on each. And it's not really significant anymore to influence you not having it. So coupon is something definitely, definitely highly recommended to enable like on all of your items that you have today. That's a very cool one. Yeah, because I feel like, I feel like all of these strategies, right, they're techniques that aren't going to change your actual bottom line, you know, your actual hard costs, but they can just get that extra margin. And just something like adding a coupon, like you said, you can increase your cost to cover that 60 cent fee plus whatever the discount is. So you can essentially make it a wash. But if one out of three people just don't redeem it, um, all of a sudden just profit increases just from doing that one thing, which is fat, which is amazing. Um, it's just such an easy way of taking your existing business and just getting X amount more profitable on top of whatever you're doing today. So I love that. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. All right, cool. I think that, I think those are some great tips, actually. If people, if you, do you want to plug anything or if people want to find you, kind of see what else you're working on, what can they do so? Mm, no plugging. I'm working on, <laughs> on shopkeeper.com. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. If, if, actually, you're in the video, not... if, you, if you're watching the video too, she has a logo in the background. I love it. It's great. Yeah. My logo right there. As I mentioned, I'm a software developer by background. Uh, well, I didn't develop myself the Shopkeeper app. Uh, I actually have a team for that. Uh, but I guess for your audience, if you like, I have something that I could offer for anyone who's interested. Uh, Shopkeeper is just a profit dashboard. It's to calculate your profit automatically, to pull the 72 different fees automatically from Amazon. And so you don't have to do if, manually on the reports. If you, have, if you ever try reading that document manually, you like go blind instantly. You It literally is like the most... <laughs> I've played with them before and kind of some different things. And those fees, they don't make any sense. You don't know what they mean. It's... It is really hard to figure out that um, if you download I know. the raw. Yeah. So that's the offer for me, especially for new sellers who are beginners. They can't really afford any software. What I could do for you is I could give you a long free trial. So usually software founders say, okay, I'll give you two months free trial instead of 14 days. Actually, I will give you six months free trial instead wow, okay. of 14 days. So that could help you, you know, to at least understand your costs. So look at the software. It will pull all the fees in a few days and then you will see properly, you know, because on Amazon Seller Central, when you look at the order page, they they only give you the basic fees they don't they're not gonna even list something like coupon redemption fee there whatever the ppc cost was and then the refunds associated with that like the reimbursement fee all of these things they're not gonna even show up on that one order so you want an app like like shopkeeper um, to show you your your profit maybe you're actually losing money on something so to claim the six months free trial go to shopkeeper.com and you will find the little chat bubble in the corner like many other apps have, and just type in the code Stingray180. You know the fish? Stingray180. <laughs> Sting, All right. Stingray180. I'll, All put a link to, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. <laughs> okay. So when you type it in, then uh, we will get back to you and we'll upgrade your account to be VIP and you'll have the six months free trial from me. There's awesome. a little present. <laughs> People should definitely, if you're selling Amazon, definitely check that out because those fees are, you know, digging through that report, if you've not done it, um, 
don't do it because it's it's not pleasant. So thank you for that. I definitely uh, people should take you up on that offer. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show today. It was great chatting. Thanks so much for having me, Charles.